Hello and welcome to For What It's Earth, the podcast that has a look at all things environment, climate change, sustainability, nature and asks, hey, is there anything that you and I can do to help save the planet just a little bit? My name's Emma. I'm Lloyd and this week we are talking about the Cambo oil field, which is supposed to be going up just off the coast of Shetland in Scotland. Um, you can probably already guess our thoughts on it. You can. If you have been listening to this podcast for more than one one episode. We're getting predictable. <laughs> We're getting predictable. We're really leaning into um, the brand. How is it? Hair shirt, uh, mung bean eating environmentalists. That's that's us, isn't it? Oh, uh, is this, 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 this a Boris Johnson quote? <laughs> direct. Direct. Yeah. Unabridged. Yeah. Or there, there was also one about tree hugging, bunny loving, something, something. Do you know what? I love hugging a tree. I'm here for it. It's I like, you know what, it. mate? I like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, call, calling me a tree hugger doesn't offend me in any way because trees, do you know what? Trees are blinking cool. Yeah, and I'll take that over eating any day. And the science says that connecting with nature is great for our, our mental and physical well-being. So do you know what? Go and hug a birch, say hello to a spruce, crack on with your day, reap the benefits. But <laughs> Say hello to a spruce. Yeah, I thought that rolled off the tongue quite nicely. Say hello to a spruce. Maybe yes. that should go on a t-shirt, perhaps. Um, we are meandering into some strange forest before we haven't even started with our regular segment i'm gonna i'm gonna drag us back on say track. hola to an oak tree <laughs> oh hello <laughs> Nicely bonjour done. to a beech tree yeah there we go there's a whole there's a whole range of merchandise there heidi hey to a hedgerow That's sorry go on absolutely my favorite and i would very much like a picture of you on your next hedgerow heidi haying expedition i think of which there are many um yes yeah, so anyway back on track where should we start we need to start with what one good thing have you done to save the planet this week in our normal uh, our, our wonderful segment that appears at the top of every episode <laughs> i'm gonna do my normal thing of copping out and, and celebrating other people copping um, out oh nice <laughs> pickle <laughs> just a little Speaking note actually cop. on cop we have thought about it and we are going to talk about cop we didn't feel ready to talk about it just now. Yeah. Um, we are aware that, that that small thing happened. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. We haven't <laughs> quite gathered our thoughts enough to do a comprehensive, uh, useful episode yeah. on it. And to be honest, I don't know about you guys, I found two weeks of solid, what felt like bad environmental news, really exhausting. So I found it quite hard to engage with all the media. It was an absolute pop. roller coaster, wasn't it? Mm. There's such a whiplash of emotions. Yeah. So now that now that the dust is starting to settle, we feel a bit more in place to properly bone Sift. up, go and see yeah. what happened, and then uh, we'll we'll chat about it another time. So instead, slash let um, more established going... news outlets um, make decisions for us. <laughs> do the and research. We'll, we'll just uh, do the research in, in <laughs> we'll inverted, <paraphrase>. inverted quotes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean we'll do really hard hitting uh, independent journalism. Um, of course. Yeah, one good thing. Um, I'm just going to celebrate things that people near me have done. Um, and in particular, with little little baby Hopkins on the way, the littlest equo warrior. Uh, people have been crocheting and knitting some freaking cute stuff. And I think that's gorgeous um, because we are really going to try and sort of not have a plastic free baby necessarily, but... Uh, try and avoid like plastic toys and and too much baby fast fashion if we can. 
and it's been so nice having people crochet the cutest little mittens and the cutest little hats Aww. and the blanket that you showed me just before we started the school as well That's so nice i haven't <laughs> i am i'm learning to crochet for the greater good it seems um yeah i'm making you a baby blanket it's not nearly as um uh, like intricate or as complicated as mittens or a hat if someone's doing that i am very impressed this is a, a bog standard stripy uh crocheted blanket for snuggles because you know baby hop is coming soon and yes. um, and it's we're on the you know on the precipice of winter it's a strangely warm winter for the moment but cold times are coming apparently um so yeah there's a blanket on your way can't wait absolutely cannot wait I've got, there's also someone uh from mild work crocheted me a little rainbow colored whale a whale oh my just gosh gets that's so cool yeah yeah it's adorable it's absolutely adorable but You're yeah we're gonna we're, have um, so many marine themed um baby goodies i think oh yeah and i'm not complaining about that at all yeah we're, we're really um trying to to be a bit eco-conscious um we will one day do a eco baby episode we're gonna um, we're gonna let you get some experience under your belt i think yes that's, that's probably the best option isn't it because i think uh, from what i've heard from friends who've had um babies is it's really easy to go in with good intentions yeah but can be quite hard in the moment so i'm really interesting to live that through you by day 25 when you have no no sleep yeah screaming child wrap it in plastic <laughs> yeah no i think i think i think it's going to be really exciting and i, I look forward to having um baby hopkins on the podcast one day they'll they'll make I, their debut at some point I, I can't imagine he'll have anything interesting to say for a while no but i just think that maybe maybe the nice noises that babies make we could involve in some some kind of themed intro who knows maybe like a quiz where our buzzers are just like different burping and screamings yes here we go we're on to a winner we're brainstorming um almost forgetting that the microphones are live <laughs> yeah let's 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 not turn this into, into this. a into, into like a little business meeting uh what what one good thing have you done this week <laughs> i took inspiration from i feel like i've stolen episode. yours because yours could have been knitted a baby blanket but um i'm sorry about that i'll, I'll let you have that one as well but go <laughs> i should have i shouldn't have told you i was gonna do that um but i'm just so proud of myself it's <laughs> it's a very therapeutic craft it looks excellent you should be um it's um no okay so my one good thing for the planet not necessarily one good thing for you and your child um i took inspiration from our halloween episode and my local farm shop suddenly appeared on the app too good to go which listeners will know i'm mildly obsessed with uh in terms of reducing food waste and collecting cheap items from local businesses that would otherwise be going into landfill and the local farm shop basically joined too good to go to get rid of its excess pumpkins and squash so lo and behold, I turned up and they said, uh, listen, take as many big pumpkins as you like. We've got loads. Um, oh filled the boot of my car um, with pumpkins and with squash and made pumpkin soup. <laughs> Turns out pumpkin soup, not great. Doesn't matter though, because I've really? still got so much pumpkin. I also made pumpkin pie. Excellent. And I've also got loads of chunks of like little little square chunks of pumpkin now frozen in my freezer. And I just chuck them in every meal to like bulk stuff up. It goes great in like risottos and things. Long story short, you've now got deficiency in everything apart from pumpkin. Uh, long story short, if anyone needs any pumpkin in the Bath or Bristol area, let me know. Yeah. She'll hook you up. I've got so, so much pumpkin. I just couldn't, after all of the stats that we, we rattled off last episode though, yeah. I just, I, I couldn't. 
that just made me feel things. So I, I went through a That's bit good. of a pumpkin phase. Mm. Speaking of um, impact of our Halloween episode, though, oh, I think you've got a great one to share. We've been completely outdone. Can I just like tip my virtual hat to Catherine from Massachusetts, who emailed us in, including photographs, to say that both her and her son took our advice. Shock. Um, and they made their Halloween costumes entirely out of things that they had in the home, all apart from one suit jacket that they got from uh, eight American dollars at the thrift shop. So, I guess charity shop. Um, Beautiful. She went as P- Pippi Longstocking, which was one of my favourite characters as a kid. She looks fantastic. Uh, and her son went as the tax man from the Beatles song. So basically two costumes for eight dollars and no waste at all. Um, so, so well done. So love good. that. Absolutely love that. Both Brilliant. outfits are incredible. The tax man. So she, she's got a little suitcase, a, a suit jacket and a little um, badge with, with the IRS logo on it. It's oh, fantastic. it looks fantastic. It's so good. Absolutely stunning. It's so good. Well done, Catherine. Also writing into us is uh, Ian. Thank you very much, Ian. You have basically been reminding us that Ecosia exists and you've been using it a lot. And you also pointed out that we have a habit of using the term Google as a mm. verb. Um, yeah. obviously you because uh, it's for all things yeah search. well we're, we're such millennials i'm afraid um are, are, are we do we count as millennials we are I don't, millennials I, don't know what, I think i don't know what i don't know what the distinction is because it's like gen z gen x millennials i think gen z are younger than us are they i think we're millennials you and i somebody write in and tell us we're what 28 and 29 we're something um we're, we're something all right we're pretty old. Uh, yeah, so you've reminded us that Ecosia exists. Um, and we will, of course, give it another shout out. Um, it's If you haven't used it already, it's an alternative search engine to Google, mm. except that the advertising revenue it generates goes towards planting trees uh, in communities around the world. Um, and also a cool thing is that it runs its servers on renewable energy. Um you can set it as your default search engine. And as Emma pointed out, which I didn't realize, you can now do it on Safari and iPhones. So are we doing this when this podcast ends? And Ian says he himself has contributed to planting 200 trees because it, it, it goes to tracks it, doesn't it? It tracks how many mm. trees you've Personally been involved in planting over your, your search life history. Yeah, which is quite cool. I, I like the fact that it gives you a tangible number to something that you've done, even if it doesn't in real world necessarily mean that you have exactly planted 200 trees does it count like if you do like a private searching window on ecosia does it still track it or is it like a secret tree oh lloyd i don't know it's probably best not to delve into their uh, <laughs> their private browsing um, streams but what i was saying is i do i like the fact that it attributes a good thing to what you're doing so it can help you forge better habits which is quite cool. And also a massive shout out to our friends at Mondays who are, they're an organic and plastic free tampons and pads and, you know, environmentally friendly packaging company. We love them. Um, They actually went and made an Instagram reel celebrating their one good thing for the week. And I mean, they just, they smashed it out of the park. They really one-upped us on the the content thing because we do use Instagram, but (laughs) we don't always do it very often. Um, and, and it was brilliant. And it was basically, they're, they're starting to use refillable coffee capsules in their office. So they have one of those coffee pod makers, but they have a little aluminium uh, recyclable capsule, which you just pop your fresh grounds into and then pop that in the machine. And then when that's done, you give that a wash and then you fill it up again. 
very nice. Very I thought cool. that was excellent. So thanks for thinking of us doing your yeah. morning coffee Mondays. That's, that's really cool. We love that. Yeah, excellent. And please do keep writing in if you've got anything else you'd like to share with us, um, particularly if you've got Halloween costumes, because um, we, we love them. Mm, bonus points them. for pictures of things. Yeah. Of, of I, your I'm, one I'm, good things. Mm. I'm bored of reading. I want to see some things. <laughs> Visual only. Right. Shall we crack on to Cambo? Let's have a little chat about Cambo. Another uh, One of the other C words that has been dominating the news cycle of late, I think. Yeah, you might have noticed uh, it's been caught up in a few legal challenges. So Cambo is a proposed oil field uh, 75 miles west of the Shetland Isles um, in Scotland. And it's actually one of the deepest oil fields that has been discovered in Northern Europe. It's 1,100 metres of water, which is very, very deep. The uh, seas are pretty rough, I can tell you that. Um, And the oil field itself is thought to contain about 800 million barrels of oil, which would last about 25 years. So that's a lot. Now, I know what you're thinking. It contains 800 million barrels, but they will... Sikar Point and Shell, who are who own it and have put through or um, the application in order to tap it, um, they would actually want to be delivering 170 million barrels of oil and natural oh. gas over 25 years. So there would still be quite a lot left in there, which means that yeah. the, I mean the life cycle. Um, basically, it's a really quite a large field for what we have off yeah. the coast of Britain, um, and the potential for the amount of uh, lovely, lovely fossil fuels that could come out of it is massive. Which is why these huge energy players are making a real bid for this site. Yes, I know what you're thinking. How are we doing this when we've just been through COP and the UK government has been... Mm. You read my mind. Um, pushing the phasing out of fossil With one fuels. hand, yeah. telling other countries to be green and go net zero and making our own net zero promises, and with the other hand... Covering one's eyes and looking blindly away, yeah. potentially allowing this to be part of our energy strategy for the next 25 yeah. years. So it's probably worth saying early on as well that the Camber oil field originally got a license to explore the oil field to check if mm-hmm. it was viable, to check if it was viable all the way back in 2001. So a long time ago. Um, so those licenses basically give permission for a company to have a look see if there's anything there see if it's worth it um and then what follows is a really um extensive process and that can last decades hence why that was 20 years ago from the initial granting um and what's supposed to happen is you drop a lot of plans for development uh, you make some environmental statements etc before production can begin but it's still caught up in controversy isn't it it is indeed it is indeed so i mean a lot of the controversy is around the development of new fossil fuel sites, yes. isn't it? Particularly in the UK. Particularly as in May earlier this year, the International Energy Agency essentially said that in order to have any hope of staying underneath this 1.5 degree global temperature, average temperature rise, which is the number that we've been hearing for the last couple of months particularly most intensely in the last month with the discussions around cop basically centering on how do we get the world to limit the amount of warming that we go through uh, to a 1.5 degree rise so to be able to do that the international energy agency said you know we 
there's no way we can do that if we start developing any more new oil, gas or coal developments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea that Cambo might go ahead, and Cambo is not the only proposed oil and gas yep, exploration project that is on. It, I think the UK government is currently, uh, you know, I think there's 18 on the table, 18 around our waters from one of the, place, one of the places I read. Um, so, like, it's just this crazy disconnect between what we're being told we have to do by scientists and by environmentalists and the energy sector running in a completely opposite direction and i think it's fair to say that the iea know what they're talking about they're very big players and we are obviously we always we we, we always said the energy sector maybe i should have said the fossil fuel sector because not all energy is (laughs) fossil fuels true i mean we, we should again reiterate this point um, as we tried to say in every episode, we're not experts in this. So um, it's it's fair to say that you should maybe take what we say with a little pinch of salt. Um, but for me, the fact that the IEA says that no new oil gas field should be built from 2021 onwards suggests that they anticipate that the world can make up the energy deficit in other ways, that it's possible to do that. Because I feel like the IEA would say explicitly we're going to have to approve them because no there's no feasible other way mm, mm. whereas there clearly is although that would take a lot of investment which is badly needed but well so this the the economics of it all is an interesting side to look at but you know you and i are not economists but so if we are looking at the numbers so sick our point who are one of the owners of the cambo oil field or the site where it's proposed They've said that they would invest 2.6 billion into the project over the next five years were it to be approved, and that would create a thousand jobs in Britain. And the company says that it's already spent 190 million on it, and you know since it acquired the rights to the field itself in I think 2017. So, if you're just looking at it from the perspective of we need more jobs and we need to boost the economy, and we've had a horrible year for people that's, losing that's their jobs. That's always the argument that, that's made, isn't it? It o- is, always, always comes down to 2. jobs. 2.6 billion... 2.6 billion, yeah. If that were pivoted towards the actual messages that government often... You know, if we use their own terms, if those were actually pivoted to build back greener and create a, a, create a greener future, what, I mean, what could you do with 2.6 oh, billion? constantly reports um, into this that basically assert that investment in green economy would bring many more jobs than the equivalent investment in fossil fuel industries, for example, because it's also got a longer lifespan at this point, because we know, even though we want it to wrap up sooner, we know that the days of oil and gas and coal are numbered. Phase down. Whereas, phase down. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, don't get me started. But um, <laughs> <laughs> We'll save that. But if you episode. invest that into green energy and jobs, you are investing in, again, very high skill um, a very high skill workforce that's got a much longer shelf life, a lot, much longer lifespan. Because what we're saying, the Cambo oil field should be produced for twenty five years um, at a minimum. That's phase one. And when, that's, again, that's what, not a lifetime. That's like yeah, the first and, batch. And that huge number you quoted, how many billion was it? Two point six billion. They would invest billion. from now on into the project over the next five yeah. years. It it just seems mad to me that you can pin your argument on that. Um, talking of phase one. Friends of the Earth calculate that in phase one of Canberra Oilfield Project, the emissions from phase one alone would be approximately 
equivalent to the annual greenhouse gas emissions of 16 coal-fired power plants. And again, wow. that's simply incompatible with um, what the IEA said and also incompatible with incompatible with hitting or keeping global warming below 1.5 degrees C, mm. which mm. is uh, the magic number that everyone touts. In particular, the UK government, which led COP proceedings... Read between the lines of that silence. Well, okay, let's be fair. Let's be fair and journalistic and speak to the other side. Um, yeah. If we're talking numbers and we're talking carbon emissions, Sikar Point have said that the project would send the equivalent of 134,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere each year, which is equal to less than 1% of all the emissions caused by producing oil and gas in Britain. Yeah, and they did also... Just- Sorry, but if, if we reframe this, and if we just remember that this is an oil, an oil and gas company talking, those figures don't actually include the much larger volume of the volume of emissions produced when the oil and gas is actually burnt. Those figures only look at the production side of things. So that's that's the amount that it takes to get it out of right. the ground and into the market. Then we go and burn it. Right. Oh, lovely bit of greenwashing. That's I would say that. Interesting. Yeah, that doesn't sound like they've uh, done a full life cycle assessment, does it? I think they have. Um, I think the full life cycle assessment probably didn't go in their favour when no, talking exactly. to companies or organisations like Greenpeace. So. Um, again, in the interest of uh, balancing out the sides, uh, Sikar Point Energy, uh, who are the 70% owners of, of Cambo and, and the main leads, they, they argue on their website that the UK would only meet a third of its future needs if it doesn't invest in new oil and gas fields. And then we'd be more reliant on imports from other countries. Um, They say that between January and March 2021, the UK had to import 56% of the gas needed. And they go on to say that Cambo would be designed with the most modern equipment possible for oil fields, for oil platforms, um, which would reduce emissions um, and, for example, wouldn't need to flare or vent hydrocarbons so like those big streams mm, of fire you quite often see like associate with pictures of oil fields um, mm. and they say it would half the amount of co2 for each barrel produced compared to the average uk field and Canberra would also be built electrification ready they say so it can be powered by renewable energy when feasible that's such an odd token isn't it it sounds great, but at the same we'll, time, you, we will I feel, power our destructive fossil fuel mining with a wind turbine. When we could have just powered the thing what? that we want to power with wind in the first place. That's yeah. interesting. But I mean, there's a lot of numbers here about carbon emissions, but actually we haven't spoken about some of the other environmental impacts. It's not all. I mean, it's a no. lot about carbon emissions, um, but there are other implications to going and drilling a whacking mm-hmm. massive hole really deep in a sensitive seabed. Aren't there? Yep. So the pipelines um, for Cambo are projected to go straight through um, something called a sponge belt. So a lot mm. of um, cold water, deep sea species of sponge. Um, and the Faroe Shetland sponge belt is actually a UK marine protected area. So it's supposed to not be dealing with this stuff it is so it's it's home to the threatened and i love this name cheesy bottom sponge yes um listen it's not a dolphin it's not a whale uh it's not necessarily one of the sexy species of conservation but it also 
doesn't move uh, away from pipelines or bottom trawling if it's it you know not. in the area. But also there are like four hundred year old clams down there as well. It's yeah. it's, it's a very sensitive uh, of worms as well yeah. area yeah because because so there's like five different water bodies that meet in that area which means there's lots of nutrient upwelling yeah. and it's an amazing place for life so lots of lots of organizations i think 16 different environmental groups in the uk including people like friends of the earth uh, and the marine conservation society wrote to opred who are one of the offshore oil and gas environmental regulators which are you know processing this application mm. to allow or disallow the development of Cambo. So 16 of them wrote asking it to reconsider or to better consider the impact on the marine world when considering the application because they're that distressed about the idea of it. Um, and I think the pipelines would cut through 35 kilometres of this sponge belt, this this MPA, this marine protected zone. Like That's not a small chunk. When we look at how much space and how much of our oceans is protected, yeah, we need to be protecting more of it not dragging pipes and trawlers through the little that we have got protected is my is my opinion i'll climb off my soapbox now and the thing about sponges is i mean if if these oil fields were going through as you said you know uh, like uh, pods of dolphins or whales everyone would be outraged but because it's sponges i think people don't um clock how important they are but we mentioned how deep the water around cambo is mm. and the fact that this is going through um sponge belts so a lot of deep water cold water species um sponges are very important in uh filtering the water they filter out bacteria they convert the particles that are suspended in the water into food essentially for other for other animals so they are really important species for the wider ecosystem in, in a deep sea um, and they're just really important in carbon cycles, nitrogen cycles, all despite the fact that they are literally like unicellular, um, not unicellular, but very simple organisms. Mm. Um, so there is a real ecosystem service to this. And it's, I feel like when you, when projects such as Canva are proposed and we calculate, you know, the cost of extracting the oil and the cost of um, burning it, even in terms of carbon emissions, great. But it doesn't seem to extend far enough to the environmental damage and how that actually has a direct, even like financial impact. Um, mm. Yeah. I mean, the UK government said that the environmental impact assessment will be carried out, uh, but I would have liked to have seen this included a lot sooner. But then again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not involved in these processes. So I don't know to what extent it has to be. Mm. I mean, the, the legal side of this whole project, while absolutely not being our specialty, is genuinely interesting because environmentalists are quite excited about the fact that, well, obviously stressed that it might happen, but also excited about the fact that they could actually be on the verge of quite a big victory if Cambo were to be halted. That could yeah. set a really interesting precedent for how we develop or don't develop our fossil fuels uh, in the UK. Um, and that's really important, especially when, you know, we're hearing nothing but doom and gloom and bad news about the state of the climate and our the lengths that we're going to have to go to to be able to cap global warming to 1.5 degrees. You know, if, yeah. if this could be the win, if this could be one of the case studies that we can use moving forward or the industry can use moving forward to green up, um, yeah. that would be a really, really exciting thing for the yeah. environmental movement. But unfortunately, what, what, what's coming out of uh, the government side of things? So, so um, 
when Greenpeace were challenging the license to Cambo, I think it was literally last month, uh, lawyers representing um, the government and representing Cambo uh, stated that climate change concerns were not relevant to decisions to grant oil permits. This is insane. Insane. Also, um, Alok Sharma, so uh, he's been in the news loads lately, lately because he's been the cabinet minister who's been leading the charge on COP26. He's been the chair or the president, I don't know what the title is, of COP26. Um, and he said that um, any new oil and gas developments in the North Sea were compatible with the advice from the IEA that we mentioned earlier, because he said they would have to pass something called a climate checkpoint for licenses to be granted. Um, I'm very fuzzy on what, that actually, what the climate checkpoint actually means. Um, I mm. assume it's some sort of wider assessment on the overall like a threshold that you're allowed impacts. to meet. Exactly. But the problem is um, Cambo and its billions of barrels of oil and several other um, oil fields that will be on their way have already avoided this test because the test um, is supposed to be applied before projects are giving, given an initial license. But these projects already were given an initial license 20 years ago. Mm. So even though they haven't been signed off in their final form and even though no construction has begun on the final platforms, they don't have to meet those requirements. That's that's quite the loophole to be exclu- to be yeah. exploited, isn't it's it? It's a real loophole as well. Yeah, it absolutely is. But that's the thing, it, it sort of indicates that the government knows that these are bad for environment, bad for climate targets, if you know, they wouldn't meet that threshold in their current form mm. if if they were being proposed now. But because they happened to be proposed twenty years ago, all of a sudden it's like, oh, we can't do anything. And that's another theme actually, is that um the Secretary for Business, Quasi Quateng, um, in in good old UK government. Um, so he heads the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy. Now he said um, that he does not have the authority to um, approve or intervene in the license for the oil field. And that lies entirely with the Oil and Gas Authority, the OGA. Friends of the Earth Scotland, kapow, came back and were like, mm, actually, uh, literally the Energy Act's that the UK government wrote, Energy Act 2016 um, and regulations in 2020, basically say that the Secretary of State does have the power to give a direction to the OGA on these matters. And also, um, Secretary of State has to give their agreement to any consent given by the OGA. So it kind of sounds like a lot of people in government are passing it off. Um, Similar to the Scottish government in particular, actually, who you'd have thought would be very anti this from the start. But... They're very on the fence and they're very non-committal about whether they're against or for it, um, which is understandable when you're talking about jobs and other things. But yeah, it, it whatever also just we do, like we have to, we have to consider that there are communities responsibility. that would yeah that would suffer from that. and there, there does need to be a just transition from fossil fuel to renewable. We can't just turn off one and expect the other to be fine. Yeah, exactly. The the money has to be reinvested in the communities. It needs to be upskilling. We need to not be leaving a workforce or underserved communities just scrambling. That's that's certainly not what any of us would like to see no, as much exactly. as we would like to see fossil fuels stop. Yeah, tomorrow. you absolutely have to take take account of um not just future generations, but current generations. Current now and how yeah. living. But the problem is then what's the impact of inaction and letting it go ahead in terms of yeah cl- climate change and and the 
um, human cost, the financial cost in the future. Mm. But also, what, sort of another hole in that argument is um, another high court action that's happening at the moment around the fact that the UK government uses taxpayer money to subsidise a lot of North Sea oil and gas ventures. So apparently the UK government paid £3.2 billion in subsidies and reduced tax rates to companies in the oil and gas industry since signing the Paris Agreement. Um, BP alone received uh, a net £675 million from the government uh, between 2015 and 2019, which I guess is kind of small change for them, £675 million. But it's still a lot of money. And when you consider what that could have gone towards instead. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Again, I'm not an economist. It's hard to um, reconcile, isn't it? But, but definitely not our specialist topic at all. But when watered down to the fact, when watered down to a level that you and I can engage with, it does seem slightly nonsensical. Yeah. I, I, whatever you think of the transition away from oil and gas, I feel like Cambo is very much a the, the sort of battleground now of how quickly that transitions should happen mm. and um, what our responsibility is to to, to end it. Mm. So uh, talking about responsibility, we often try and end this podcast with, you know, areas in which we can take some personal responsibility. And when it comes to taking on the oil and gas industry and, you know, trying to prevent, if that were your opinion, trying to prevent this um massive exploration of a new oil field from happening it can feel very overwhelming and like we can't do anything about it and to some extent that's true we are as individuals very small um players in this game but if you did feel compelled to try and add your voice to the noise because there is quite a lot of noise um the the movement to stop cambo from happening is is not a small movement if you did want to get involved, uh, there is a website called, or a campaign indeed, stopcambo.org, which has got quite a lot of information. And it, within its website, it's got quite a useful template for writing to your MP. You just pop in your details and they whip you up a template and you can amend the wording. Um, personally, it wasn't really how I would sound when I messaged my MP, so I rewrote it. But it, it, if you don't know where to start, it's a good start. And it's yeah. really important to make sure that you're you're clear and direct with your MP and you tell them what you want, why you want it, and what you want them to do about it. There's no point just going, I'm really annoyed about oil and gas exploration. You need to say, I'm really annoyed about oil and gas exploration. It makes me very uncomfortable, very stressed. Yep. Here's why I'm worried about it. And I want you to vote in this direction or against this upcoming bill. These kind of things. You need to give them clear yeah. actions and then they will respond to you more often than yeah. not. There so that's an interesting also, place to start. Yeah, there is also an open letter um, to stop Cambo from Friends of the Earth. Um, they're trying to reach 90,000 signatures. I think they've mm. got about 72,000. So they're pretty close. So anything you can do to help them over the line, I'm sure they'd like that. Yeah, well, we will pop both these links uh, in the episode description. So you can just go and tippity tap on over and uh, do either of those if you feel inclined. And one last thing I had a quick look at. Um, money. You spoke a little bit there about the taxpayer funding them, and we've spoken mm. a little bit before about the power that our hard-earned cash has when sat in a bank. Actually, some analysis was done of the banks that have funded Shell and Sickart Point Energy since 2016, so since the Paris Agreement. And some of the big players that have been subsidising them and sending the money and providing financial services include Barclays, NatWest, Lloyd and HSB. Lloyd's and HSB. Oh, no. So one of the things we have mentioned a good couple of times is thinking about 
where you keep your money and what your bank is yeah. doing with it and making sure that your money is invested in line with your values. And if this is not your values, I would, you know, without trying to be a financial advisor, suggest having a little look at different banks. So there are other options. So ones like Triados, which invest very openly in sustainable projects and community-led initiatives. So if you don't want your money undermining all mm. of the green things that you would like to do in your daily life, that's potentially one. And listen, that won't stop Cambo in itself. But you can, yeah, you can pull yourself out of being part of something that is funding more oil and gas exploration. Every little helps, to borrow a phrase from uh, a famous supermarket chain. Um, yeah, so I, f- I feel like if there was something you, if there's something you want to get involved in, there are actually pretty good. Um, there's already a good groundswell of movements that you can lend your voice to that there is. Um, would would already help. Fantastic. Um, I hope we didn't come down to um, shouty soapboxy on this one. Um, Somebody emailed us in to say that our our we <laughs> our episode on HS2 was a scathing takedown. Um, I didn't realise that we'd uh, come across as quite so scathing, but I'm worried that perhaps we're on the edge of scathe <laughs> again for this one. So hopefully okay. that individual okay, will enough. enjoy this episode too. Although, did you see in the news... Uh, the northern leg of HS2 has been cancelled. No, is it? The one going from Birmingham to Leeds, yeah, it's been cancelled. So now you can't even get further than Birmingham? I, I think it goes up to Manchester oh, right, okay. or Liverpool. Um, and I think the government say they're going to invest that chunk of money into upgrading the rail services uh, in the northeast of England. If, it, if true, fantastic. That makes much more sense. Is it bad that my instinct was to be sceptical? If true, great. I think I'm. I think I haven't done any research about that. You've told me this right now, but I think I'm on board with it. Um, but yeah, okay, interesting. We'll, we'll wait and see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> wait for our HS2 part yeah. two episode next yeah. year. I, I just yeah. Oh, Fantastic. Uh, one. Do you know what? One thing that is just a fun throwaway piece of advice from me is to go and watch Joe Lycett versus the Oil Giant on channel four if you haven't seen it already i haven't seen is... that I, I didn't what? know he did no i i, I didn't write it i i, I saw oh he's been doing gosh. a lot of smaller scale ones yes so he he's become this like, amazing campaigner bit. in his own very clever has, fascinating yeah. funny way and recently he took on shell to a point as much as you can take on shell um uh but in in a broader sense it was about greenwashing and I think it's a really useful and funny hours watch about how companies can greenwash us. Um, and I 100% recommend it. Go go and watch Joe Lycett versus the Oil Giant. And that's Giant. on Channel 4. Channel 4, 4. yeah. Okay. And it's, you know, it's not a climate documentary, do you know what I mean? You're not having these yeah, messages yeah. rammed home. You're you're speaking to Joe Lycett, who's concerned about the environment. And he's gentle, and funny it's just Sounds great. Yeah, he's brilliant. Fantastic. I think that is all we have time for this Absolutely. week. Absolutely. Thank you for, for sticking with us through our um, hopefully not too scathing um, look into Cambo. Hmm. Um, yeah, so if you would like to talk to us about this episode or any others or um, whatever you've been doing lately, have you had a nice cup of tea? Let's, uh, let's talk about it. Uh, you can reach out to us on email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the usual jazz. Um, yes, we're on Twitter at What Earth Pod, Facebook and Instagram. We're at For What It's Earth Podcast, and you can email us at For What It's Earth Pod at gmail dot com. Yeah, what she said. I gave up a long time ago trying to remember the handles. Uh, 
and housekeeping as well. Uh, we always say, of course, that everything we have said and all our views expressed in this podcast are our own and not that of any employers or anyone related to us. So, without further ado... Nor are ado, we experts. Think, you are simply joining us for a nice experts. pub chat about the environment. So if we say something that's particularly stupid, again, let us, let know. us know, but be nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> we know we're not the smartest people. <laughs> We will see you in a couple of weeks.